Welcome everybody to another episode of What's the Point Podcast, the podcast of Waypoint Church. This is Pastor Lawrence, I'm your host today. Today I'm joined by an esteemed panel of guests here, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, Greg Gillen, uh, I guess I'm a bridge engineer. Uh, yeah, I've been a member of Waypoint for uh, really since the very beginning. Yeah, I'm David Green. I'm uh, also an engineer. I'm a software engineer at a fintech company. And uh, I've also been here at Waypoint uh, from its inception. So, uh, My name's Caleb Goodnight, and I've been a member at Waypoint for about five years. And I'm a video producer and director. So, gentlemen, I've gathered you together to answer a simple question, but it's not a simple question at all. But really a question that's been on the hearts of a lot of people at Waypoint Church, a question that I've been asked a lot about and that people are talking a lot about. And they want to know, what is the deal with cryptocurrency? I've been asked, what's Bitcoin? What's Ethereum? Should I invest in it? What is Dogecoin and all these other random things? And they just want to know what is going on. I hear people becoming billionaires and it's going up and down. They want to Magic know, internet money. Yeah. yeah is, exactly. is it real? Is it fake? What's going on? And so the basic question, I just want to start off just by throwing out there and asking the simple question for the lay people, for someone like me who have no idea what this is about, what in the world is cryptocurrency and why should I care? Well... Um Cryptocurrency is a digital form of currency. It is similar to the electronic dollars in your bank in that it shows up on a screen, but it has no physical corollary. You can go to a bank and take your dollars out in paper form. Um, those numbers on a screen on your Wells Fargo or Bank of America account, are um, they're just markers of something that can exist in real life. Uh, digital currencies, um, are something that is uh, a result of some um, advances in cryptography um, and other programming applications. And, and so it's a purely digital form of currency. It can only be used in digital forms. Um, it begins with Bitcoin. That's where uh, really the first um, innovation took place. And there's been a lot of uh, adoption and uh, really tens of thousands of new coins since that time. Yeah, so uh, I, I agree a lot with uh, Caleb's definition there. I, I would add that, um, you know, one way you could look at it is it's a currency, but also as an asset. And uh, maybe Greg will talk a little bit more more to this in a second. But, um, you know, right now, if you go to the store and you, you try to say, hey, I want to buy something in Bitcoin, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, that's that the, the function of currency allows you to be able to um, you know, take take money essentially in some form and, and exchange it for goods. And we're not quite there yet with Bitcoin. Uh, there are some promising things in the works. Um, but uh, for the most part, the way I've looked at um, uh, the way I've looked at Bitcoin, at least, has been as as, as an asset, a very volatile asset. Uh, in other words, uh, an asset that changes in price quite quite a bit over the course of. 24 hours. Uh, you can imagine, you know, when you are looking at like, say, a typical asset might be think of think of an asset like a stock. Uh, and, and you can see the price of a stock will will vary based on uh, over the course of, of, of a trading week. But imagine now you take that and you're looking at an asset that trades 24 hours a day, seven days a week constantly. And so you have a lot of volatility just built into, by definition, the nature of, of this asset. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. I can keep going, but I'll, I'll stop for now. Well, I'd say it's not built in. The volatility yeah. is a function of how people treat it. 
So it could also not be volatile in the future, potentially. In the future, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Yeah, I would agree with everything that's been said. I think that uh, the thing I think is important for a lot of people to maybe understand is that uh, um, cryptocurrency, the name is is a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, that's one certain use case, uh, especially with Bitcoin. Um but in some other uh, altcoins, as we call them, there's there's sort of there's Bitcoin and then there's kind of everything else, and they they really function in two different worlds, really. And some to get just give an example, uh, you know, there's there's a, an altcoin that's trying to decentralize like the publishing of digital content, like video video content, which I know that's probably hard to understand, but uh, just understand that. Uh, that Bitcoin and and other altcoins, as, as as again as we call them, they they can serve completely different functions. So I'm still confused. I'm just gonna be completely honest with you guys. I have no idea what you guys are talking about because I can wrap my head around cash, mm-hmm. right? My hundred dollars is worth a hundred dollars, and I get it. There's a value placed upon it. I understand that whole concept, but I get the fact that I have a hundred dollars in my hand. If I have it online, it's still worth that hundred dollars. I can take it out into physical form, and I can use it to buy something, mm-hmm. right? Is Bitcoin just an imaginary number? How do I dictate what the number is? How many I own? How is it controlled? How is the value placed on it? How do I use it? Um, what's what's the currency? Did you see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I just is it. Is it is a Bitcoin like in my mind? Should I imagine that Bitcoin's like a dollar? So mm-hmm. one Bitcoin's like a dollar in regards to well. To be fair, one Bitcoin always equals one Bitcoin. Okay. All right. So you're you're only gonna have changes if you measure it with something else. Right. Um. So start me off again. Yeah, start. I mean, just help <laughs> me under, understand what is. I still don't get what is Bitcoin. Right, it's, okay, it's, so let's start. Let's start from the beginning. Bitcoin is a open source software protocol. It's it's literally just a platform, okay. and it's open source. The code is available, and we can check it. Um, a person who we who we do not know who it is created it. Um, and is that wild by itself? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it is. very wild. It's very important, actually. <laughs> How is fact, it possible that we don't know who created Bitcoin? I think it's intentional. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, there's so a, lot there of like a, a lot of theories. A lot of theories. Is it like a master key? Like someone's like no. created Bitcoin. Dude, there is the wallet. Whoa. I mean, there is the wallet address. I mean, there are numerous yeah. theories about right. there there's being something of, like that. But the right. thing here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because it's open source, the code is completely parsable. Everyone can look at it, so you yeah. can tell whether or not there would be such a master key. Okay. All right, and that's it's not in there. That's not a problem. Um, but it it so this was this was something people have been working on for decades. Honestly, people have been trying to create a form of digital cash. Um, there have been many experiments. Some of the people who were even involved in uh, the open source development of Bitcoin um, had histories in uh, figuring out how to turn um, encryption uh, technology into a way to send monetary value digitally. Um, and also, you know, so the Bitcoin protocol was released. And um, what let's, let's talk about what the Bitcoin protocol actually does, how it works. So you have nodes and miners. Uh, nodes are essentially just users, people who have a wallet or um, or a node. They can they can be one or this or both of those things, um, depending on how they're using them. And that is essentially someone on the network that is running a copy of the entire list of transactions that have ever been completed on the Bitcoin network. It's like a Bible of every transaction ever taking place. 
Um, everyone has the same version. You can look at other people's versions and make sure your version is the right one. Uh, miners function to actually confirm that those tractions have taken place according to the rules and are then actually cemented into the blockchain. They're only pending until miners who um, participate in a mining competition actually, um, I wanna make that more clear. Miners confirm transactions on the network so that nodes can then relay all of the completed transactions to each other and know that these have been confirmed and are reliable. Um, the, the reason for that is because if, there, if the miners were not there and it was simply a matter of nodes relaying that information to each other um, without a, a, a miner component, anyone um, could, with enough resources, hack the blockchain and, and basically change it or, or uh, produce uh, false uh, copies, counterfeits, etc. So you're saying this keeps it from ever being possible to hack into? Yes, the miners are the security of the network, okay. um, and it's an important component because, in comparison to many, pretty much every single other uh, coin out there, uh, they use um, one of the main differences, like as Greg was between, as Greg was mentioning, between Bitcoin and, and other coins, is something called proof of work versus proof of stake, uh, and and it's it sounds a little techy, but basically, Bitcoin miners require actual resources, actual energy to accomplish something. It's not just a, um, a question of who has the most influence in the network. The, the influence comes from that deployment of capital. Um, someone has to buy a miner and actually run it in order to participate in securing the network. So that means that in order to actually overtake the network and do anything to it, you would actually have to have a, over half the amount of the entire mining network in your control, which is an insurmountable amount of of material and, and dollars so or, or you know it's it's a lot of resources yeah. can i just add one thing and it's this is on the non-technical side maybe another way of looking at it might be the sort of the key component here is um all of all of us are familiar with banks and and this is you know where we get our money from and and in order to spend and the sort of the key distinction is that with bitcoin and, and some of these altcoins as well you're looking at working with a decentralized structure. In other words, there's no bank. There's no there's no intermediary, uh, and and as a result, you have all these you know seemingly complicated uh, technical protocols that deal with you know mining and 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 verifying transactions on the on the on the blockchain and network. So all of that exists a, a, as a way to say, well, hey, you know, if we don't have a central banking authority or any kind of banking authority. We need some way of verifying, you know, transactions are happening. You are your own bank. Yeah. I mean, literally. Yeah. It's a, it's honestly for it's a it's a funny analogy, but it's like you're hiding money under your mattress. It really is. Interesting. So here's my question then. Mm-hmm. You were talking about people have this issue of finding ways to send money digitally, mm-hmm. right? Goods, services, whatever, digitally. Why can't you do what we've always done? Why can't we just use our money we have now and our currency we have now? And do it the way we kind of do it, like PayPal or Venmo or what's the difference? I, I can say something really quick about that. Have you ever tried to do a money transfer or money wire? And what you'll find is that typically, and, and then there's good reasons for it, but, but it, it, it takes a couple days. Mm. So if I have an emergency in some other country, uh, family or whatever, and, and uh, I need to be able to send the money quickly, I don't want to wait three days or, and, and, and in addition to that, pay a wire transfer fee and so forth and so on. So there's there's a lot of... 
challenges that I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of retail banks in the way they, 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 they this is me personally. Um, and, and those are, those are two barriers. Those are very real barriers to me. I actually do have family overseas and, and being able to send money, you know, with these barriers is, is, is for me at least annoying. Maybe it's, it's, oh, it's so you're saying, so there's, there's yeah. barriers that built in because of the centralization or the financial institutions. Banking system, yeah. Banking system that require because they have to make sure you have the funds and they have to make sure that funds will be able to, all that and they have to, be, have to make sure that they're spending it on things they approve. They, what do you mean they approve? They approve? Yeah. Like, you, you, like if you had a family member in North Korea, you could not send money to them through PayPal. Wait, so if I have a family member in North Korea, I could not send them money through PayPal? No. Why not? They don't accept PayPal because, North Korea. Because it's not allowed. Oh, because North Korea is not allowed to use PayPal. No, North Korea is not allowed to transact with North America. Okay, that's right. But could, could I send them money through Bitcoin somehow? Absolutely. How? Because all they need is an internet connection. Now, granted, that might be hard over there, but they'll probably get one. Oh, right. So all they need is an internet connection. There's not going through any kind of financial... Interesting. So you tell me... Okay, so basically, I feel like I'm getting the picture a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. The picture it's is... It's permissionless. Okay, so the picture is right now, our digital... Our currency that we, as we currently have, mm-hmm. is run through institutions. Mm-hmm. These institutions put all these boundaries, barriers, because they're institutions. They're, they're mm-hmm. governmental or mm-hmm. whatever institutions. What we've created then is Bitcoin is is a way to have a secure source of currency that's not bound by the institutions. And it's frictionless in terms of yes. being able yes. to move. That's, so, yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's the point. I that's mean, point. It, it was it was yeah. created because of a lack of trust in the financial institutions. Oh, so what what do you mean by a lack of trust in the financial institutions? Oh, wait. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really. Yeah, the, the, the collapse. I, and, I mean, when people right. saw that yeah. happen with the banks and, yeah. and it... it it's a confusing thing that happened, but it, it definitely was a. Uh, it was the straw for the person that created Bitcoin. I'll put it that way. It, yeah. it was explicit in in their writing that that was kind of the last thing that, that they were like something needs to be made. Well, wait, wait, so there was someone who actually created Bitcoin, wrote something. Well, yeah. So the person is anonymous, but they go by name Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, it, it's not considered to be their real name, but it was their consistent username uh, in all the forums that they participated in and wrote. Interesting. Um, so there's like this actually like mystery behind the. Oh yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, they yeah, wrote a lot. I mean, because oh. it was an open source project. Is that like a movie or something? How is this not a movie? There probably it will, will be. be. A movie. It will be. I mean, it's really <laughs> you know There's already documentaries. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's really something. But uh, the yeah, so there's a lot that that person wrote. Um, and there's a white, a white paper that I mean has been around since that was released the day before Bitcoin was, and it's the it explains the project in total. It's nine pages. Okay, so on a very simplistic level, for me, basically our current currency is run by institutions, run by government, run by other stuff. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is allowing a secure method of exchanging currency that's not bound by the institutions' governmental structures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gist of it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So then, here's my next question. As we view Bitcoin, is it safe? Is it something that you should? Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I almost okay. First of all, is it safe? One. Second question: As a dabbler, mm-hmm. is it an asset you should look into? As a, somebody who's really involved in like kind of seeing where the trends are going, is it something that I think that this is where the trend is heading towards? And another point is that: Is it something that we should really push for, or is it something that we should care about as a, a foundation of currency in America? In, in the world, even. Answer those questions. It's a lot of questions. Um, so I guess just to start with, is it safe? Um, and that's a bit of a loaded question. Um, there's uh, a bit of a learning curve that has to take place. Um, so I would say a place to start is that it's not uh, currently 
uh, regulated by our government, um, which there's a lot of debate on the benefits and negatives of that. Uh, it's not FDIC insured. Um, the way that exchanges work are, again, not regulated the way that uh, like stock exchanges are regulated. Um, there's some complexity uh, in storing it. Um, some of those issues can confuse and compound people. Uh, there's benefits and negatives in different ways you go about that. Um, so I would say that, is it safe on the surface? Yes, it is safe. Um, but I would throw some caveats into it. And I would, I would caution people to, as a dabbler myself, I would caution people to proceed slowly and allocate smallly and start off with a view that it's a speculative asset. Yeah, I would just add that it's you have to, to approach it kind of willing to learn yes. um, with a total shift in thinking about what it means to, to actually take care of something. You have to not expect any hand-holding from anyone. It's and in, in the sense that it there's no customer service department. Hmm. Um, I mean, you could talk to some people on a forum, but you're going to have to own every step of the process. And in order for it to be a safe process, you need to have a, a good understanding of what you're doing. Um, not all that, that's, that's not all very hard, but it just requires... Uh, some initiative and some personal ownership of the process. I'm just going to add one small uh, thing on top of that. So, really, at, at, at the end of the day, there's sort of two there's sort of two levels at which you can interact with your cryptocurrency. One, I would say, is safer in terms of uh, it's it's going to be you you delegate some of that responsibility. And so, what I mean by that is, you the the, the first option is is working with a centralized exchange. So, you see all those ads on like Super Bowl. Like you know, crypto.com, which that Coinbase, yeah. yeah, Coinbase, Binance. These are all centralized exchanges, and what they do is they act. They almost feel like if you if you're they have websites and you can log in and all this kind of all this kind of stuff, and uh, they feel like banks, online banks, almost. I mean, you you can literally buy. That's where you can buy your cryptocurrency. You could sell it, trade it, whatever. Um, so those are fairly straightforward. The, and, and so from a safety perspective, they're holding your money. You're trusting a company. How, how much you trust your company is really how safe it is. Most of yeah. these companies have pretty good track records, I would say. They are a crypto bank. Yeah, yeah, they're a crypto bank. Okay, that's a great way of yes, saying that. And, and that's, so that's one, that's one level. The other level is you can actually hold uh, the cryptocurrency. I don't know. You don't physically hold it, but, but, but there, there's what's called a hardware wallet. And so you can interact with your crypt- cryptocurrency holdings Using uh, it's a physical device. It's it's it looks like a, a USB stick in, in in a lot of cases. And it could just be a piece of paper too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's... Right, you're recording long, long signatures and 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 yeah. Well, I won't go into I won't go to all the technical detail. But you're 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 recording uh, essentially when you're dealing with things like that. The safety issue isn't so much. The, the safety issue is you 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 have to physically have that device on you. Um, and in, in some cases, you can never give out. There's like a, a long signature. It's a piece of text. Uh, it's like think of it like a, a super long password. You can never give that out. And there's all kinds of scams and people out there who are trying to who or who will take advantage of people who don't know, you know, the, uh, this working with hardware uh, wallet space. Um, and I, I, again, that that it's a bit of a rabbit hole. But just to know, for most people, when you're getting started, you probably would be getting started at working with a crypto bank or something, just to get started. And then level two is, <laughs> you know, maybe you want to have a hardware wallet and start, you know, going there. But 
So then the, there was a last part of that question. Oh yeah, that there was like a three. There, that you, oh, it, we haven't. Yeah, we got, there's a lot of parts of that question we still need to get into. Uh, yeah. That was just the first part. Was the safe part. Uh-huh. I want to get into is do we is this something that you want you consider dabbling in as an asset? Is it something that you should look into as a almost a change in philosophy when it comes to currency decentralization, even mm-hmm. whatever it may be? Is it something that's beneficial in other ways as well that we haven't thought about? I don't want to. Um, come across too down on um, a country that has done a lot of good, but one of the real problems that Bitcoin is trying to solve is really it's an attack on the way that the, the financial networks of the world have been run for the last 100 years. Um, And by that, I mean that we've been relying on, um, government-created currencies um, really for since the end of World War II, um, even before then, you could say. And that's been a pretty new development in world history, to be honest. Um, not that governments didn't create currencies in the past, but that in, in the past, um, there, were, there were limitations to how they could do that. Um, and currently, that's it's a very different world in the sense that um, uh, government fiat currencies, by decree currencies, are the norm, and that there are no um, assets that are transacted. Um, you, you, sorry, there's there's no um, there's no hard money aspect to it. There is only the reliability and trustworthiness of the country issuing the currency. That is the asset that's backing. Uh, any any government's currency, which is why the more unstable the government, the more unstable the country, the less reliable the currency. So then in the past, currency used to be backed by gold, for example. Correct. Correct. Um, or, and this is something I thought we could talk <clears throat> about a little bit, but it's like, you know, even before gold and even alongside gold, there's been many forms of money. Right. Um, and money, you know, it doesn't have to be a hard asset. I mean, I could have gold in the bank and give you a piece of paper that says, I owe you gold. Uh, and that would be money. Uh, if you trust me to actually give that gold to you when you ask for it. Now, one of the challenges we had before World War II uh, was people stopped giving them gold when they asked for it. (laughs) Um, And that's what kind of broke that system. Um, And, you know, people like have definitely different opinions on uh, the effects of a hard money system. Um, But I I like to start less pragmatically um, and in terms of like, well, what would work best and actually think about what would be... um, right? What would actually be fair? What would be just? Um, How would um, people be treated fairly in such a system? And I find that hard money systems reduce the number of opportunities for manipulation, um, which as humans who are sinners, we're all pressured um, when we have power to manipulate. And uh, most of the time it doesn't go so well. So when you say hard money systems reduces the temptations of manipulation. Ability, not ability, temptation. <laughs> ability. To you mean like money that's based on a hard currency? I can't create gold. Right, exactly. All right? I can only mine it at the level that's possible physically. Right. Um, so, But you're saying now because we're not based on anything hard, mm-hmm. the ability to manipulate is so much more. Correct. It's all about political pressure. If you have not a lot of political pressure and everyone's happy, you, you really don't have a lot of reasons to... to kind of debase your monetary, uh, you know, currency. Um, if you are under pressure, um, as different governments are at different times, uh, there's a lot of reasons you can come up with 
to begin to debase your your currency at the expense of your people for immediate concerns. Right. Uh, those immediate concerns might be very difficult and and pressing, but you're still debasing everyone else's money. It's so interesting because for most people who live in America, especially all of us who live in America, waypointers, we live in America. And so in our minds, our currency seems so rock solid because our concept of our country is so rock solid. But other countries have seen their currency do crazy things, right? Now, has there, isn't there, I feel like I randomly heard this, wasn't there a country that switched over to Bitcoin? Yes. Uh, Is that El Salvador? So yeah, El Salvador has yeah. made it legal tender. Um, they still um, also consider the dollar as legal tender. Mm-hmm. So they have two legal tenders. Um, just as an aside, I love seeing that that's been made legal tender in a country, but they've also required everybody to accept Bitcoin, which I think is a step over what is appropriate. Um, it's not... Requiring someone to accept something is different from making it illegal to accept it. That's interesting. Interesting. So as as, as a, a normal Waypoint member who lives in a currency that seems very solid as is, but can also still be manipulated, obviously. What was their inflation last month? Exactly. Well, that was. Yeah. What was it? It was really high. 8%. 8% perceived, right? Conservative. Uh, yeah, Conservative. I mean, I'm saying that's the yeah. government number. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, how much did your house go last year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I totally understand. Yeah. I, think, I think it's important. Again, I, I mentioned this earlier, but just to... To keep in mind the stuff we're talking about right now, about the backing of of a currency, uh, the backing of, say, fiat currency, uh, is this conversation is really around Bitcoin right now. That's fair, yeah. Uh, And so um, when you're talking about these other altcoins, the conversation kind of can change pretty radically because they're attempting to address different functions and different needs. And so... Keeping in mind that the the discussion we're having right now about what is money and how is it backed and and you know what trust do we put in its value that it currently has and these issues around inflation and deflation and what's ideal is that those are conversations that are f- pretty much more unique to Bitcoin I'd say. Right. Can I just add this? Yeah. So when you look when you look at sort of. Um uh, there's a, a statistic called TVL or total value locked, and basically what that represents is uh, when you're when you're looking at sort of when you're trying to compare sizes of of various so Bitcoin versus say Ethereum, which is sort of like the number two cryptocurrency and and so forth, um, and, and it gives you a sense of uh, you know how how big these are and 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 and, and sort of their market their market size. So um, when you look at it, there's a ratio, and I think it's I think it's about forty percent. So um, of all of, of all the cryptocurrencies purchased um, or being held, forty percent is in is in Bitcoin. So there's this whole other universe out there, sixty percent that represents altcoins. And 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 Greg started touching on this. You know, like these these serve a different function and a different purpose mm-hmm. uh, to Bitcoin. So when we when we talk about cryptocurrency, we usually talk about Bitcoin. That's because Bitcoin. Uh, oh, it's it's referred to as Bitcoin dominance. Yeah. So. So this forty percent is referred to as Bitcoin dominance, and this is what. So th- those two terms get interchanged: Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. But there is also just just to acknowledge there is this whole other space, this whole other world. Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, the the biggest appeal that I can see with with Bitcoin that that many people I think have rightly pointed out is that Bitcoin, in effect, is a, a programmable, engineered monetary system, like an economic system that. And we used the word manipulate before. 
it doesn't always have to be this uh, a negative intention behind a manipulation. Sometimes these ill effects to currencies can occur with the right intentions, but they, almost always does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's not, and I think that's where you can start down the rabbit hole of what's so appealing about Bitcoin is that it's it's a it's a it's a programmed locked in system that can't really be tampered with and the 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 appeal of it is that it's controlled by these sort of network effects and they're not the control of it is not centralized by a government or a small group of people or it's it's controlled by the network and the network is growing and the network effects and the adoption rate of it is growing uh, at a tremendous rate in fact my understanding is it's actually growing faster than the adoption of the internet was. Yeah. Which is yeah. pretty staggering. Wow. That is a staggering number. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that explains a lot. That helps a lot. So just, then, Can I ask David a question real quick? Yeah. yeah sure. So, like, what what do you think... Let's just... I, I, there's a wide range, but what are, the like, the top three um, problems altcoins are solving? Yeah, so it's interesting because it's not even so much the coins themselves. I, I think it's the projects underlying the coin. So the coin might be a token or a or a mechanism to implement. And this is a, a, so I'm talking sort of more at the technical level of implementing the, the the project idea. So really, what's behind altcoins? What 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 powers altcoins? And and we can talk about the use cases for for these altcoins is the blockchain technology. So. Uh, a blockchain is, uh, the, you know, the official de- definition is it's a it's what's referred to as a distributed ledger, right? Yeah. And so every single transaction, uh, it, it, it's it, it's a way of basically recording, um, yeah, tra- transactions is probably the easiest way to um, define it. So sort of the number one, uh, th- there's a couple use cases out there, and off the top of my head, I'm just trying to think of a few, but one of them I think is uh, that that's pretty. Um, I guess prevalent, and there's a lot of startups that are based around this. Are are supply chain related? What um, would I call them? Businesses uh, concepts. So, for example, um, and this is just one example of, of a blockchain application. Um, you want to be able to say track uh, in your supply chain. Like, say, I bought I don't know, or I, I farmed a bunch of. I'm trying to think of grapes or something like that, and I want to be able to track from the source from with a farm. To the the packager, the manufacturer, to the uh, the the the, uh, the wholesaler, to the retailer, to the to the supermarket, or, or yeah, I guess retailer supermarket, mm-hmm. to the individual, and say there's a recall, and I want to know what you know, or or I want to know if if some if something broke down in that in that supply chain, how would I how would I know at what point you know did things fail? Was it the farm's fault? Was it no? Was, or was it the retailer who didn't store it correctly? You know, so all all that kind of information. At every step could be tracked, and in, 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 in a blockchain black blockchain technology is is one of those kinds of technologies that lends itself to this. There's actually a company here in uh, in Durham, I think it's called Food IQ or Food Logic or something like that. It has a Q in it somewhere, and, uh, and 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 this is what they do, and they're leveraging blockchain. Now it's it, and I don't know what, and so on, and blockchain more specifically, they're they're running on the Ethereum network. So the Ethereum and Ethereum is an altcoin. So the token there isn't so so without. I don't want to kind of derail here, so I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. But that, the supply, so we'll leave it at applications. Of, it's more sort of applications of blockchain technology rather than a, you know, I'm not going to focus on a specific coin. Like, so it's not really a currency thing. 
Yeah, exactly right. Right. So the original intention for a lot of altcoins was something called DeFi or decentralized finance. And so, um, so and like smart contracts and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. And, and a lot of it had to do with lending, borrowing. That was sort of the original intention of altcoins. And then now what they're saying is, hey, you know what? This blockchain technology is pretty cool, and we can do stuff that has nothing to do with it. Okay, another, another example was... Uh, is um is 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 real estate? Have, uh, okay, I get, well, okay, I'll, maybe I should. Stop I, I just have, keep going. so yeah, yeah. If if you're not a yeah. decentralized <laughs> network, why do you need a blockchain? If you are not, if you're a, a centralized network, why would you need a blockchain? If you are a centralized network, why would you need a blockchain? You might not. Okay. You know, so so so, and, and coming from this the software engineering perspective, sometimes people want to throw a blockchain at everything. And there's problems, and there's, there's, there's comics, and there's jokes about this, you know, the comic strips where it's like the guy just wants to, you know, write, write a web app to, you know, I don't know, what, you know, something really basic, and the guy's like, use blockchain, you know, like blockchain's the answer for everything. And, uh, and I know, I'm going down a rabbit hole again, but... Well, I just, yeah, but the, I think but, it's worth thinking about, because mm-hmm. it, it's a product of the decentralized network. Yeah. It, and if you have a centralized network like a bank that has a ledger of its own, that's effectively a blockchain but it made it itself it's not the result of mm-hmm. various uh users on a network all collaborating on a single product it's just this entity keeps the records yeah there is a concept of a private blockchain and 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 it, that's debatable yeah I, what i, I just I, mean it's I, a yeah. spreadsheet basically right yeah yeah i, I, yeah, I, I so. don't i don't understand why yeah i just yeah because that word gets yeah. thrown around a lot so yeah yeah so i and i could i, I don't know I, just for the sake of time i could I, i'll kind of cut myself off there but there are non-financial related projects right yeah based on altcoins you know one of the things that i'm hearing and this is yeah. this is all very fascinating stuff yeah. but okay let's say i'm a, I'm, a, I'm hearing all this i'm a dabbler uh-huh. i have investments in my 401k i have um you know i like to i'm very interested in what can i use spend some of my extra funds on mm-hmm. should i dabble in bitcoin should i dabble in altcoin I'll tell you what, like, I, 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 well, this is my opinion, okay? So, like, typically what you want to do, if, if you're thinking about investing from an investment perspective, so from a, whether it's retirement or just, okay, well, let's just even take that. You know, you have, you have your portfolio and, and sort of what they teach you or what you've learned, hopefully, is that, you know, you, you want to kind of diversify your portfolio. You want to keep, you don't want to keep all your eggs in, in, in sort of one basket. So, you don't want 100% of your money in stocks or in bonds or whatever. And, uh, and, and, there's, and there's, there's, there's great benefit in diversifying your portfolio. So, the way I look at cryptocurrency is, and this is the way I look at it, and maybe some other people do too, but is this is just another option. This is not, you know, this is not the, hey, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket thing. And when you're looking at, and because it's high risk, but high return, this is what you would call your, your asset that, that's chasing alpha. Alpha is just a term for above, above, market, mm-hmm. above market returns. And, what I, and in, those particular, in, in that particular situation, I would say from a portfolio perspective, maybe 5 to 10% max. And that's, I guess a lot of that depends on your risk tolerance. So mm-hmm. that's, that's my answer. I, I don't know. You guys might have different, different thoughts. Um, no one's ever lost money if they've held Bitcoin for more than four years. Um, you've also never lost money if you haven't sold it. Um, and I think that most people who are not traders who own Bitcoin um, have very long-term goals. Um, they expect to see it um, develop into something that's a much more substantial part of our financial system, which would correlate to an increase in price. Um, that would be my recommendation to anybody uh, who's interested in it is um, 
understand it and if you feel like there's something to it, um, buy with a long-term outlook. And, I, and by that, I, I mean years. Um, mm-hmm. Don't intend to try and, and sell it. Um, and I mean, you can sell it if you want to, but I'm just saying I don't think that it's appropriate to come in and hope that it moons in 30 days and then you're going to you know double your money or something that like that. That's it's not the right way to think about it. That actually happened to me, though, with Ethereum. I did double my money. <laughs> but, but then I lost it all, too. <laughs> right. So, so, so yeah. yeah. It's not a good way to look at any stocks, um, by the way. Yeah, so yeah. I know a lot of people like to trade. A lot of people yeah. like to trade. I, I kind of think that it's modern-day horse racing. Um, and, yeah, so that would be uh, generally what I'd say. As Nakamoto said, uh, it might make sense to get some just in case it catches on. Um, Who said that? Nakamoto. Uh. <laughs> like the creator. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, it's just it, it it does seem to have some momentum um, in a way that's that's more than just um, a fad to me. It's yeah. twelve years old. It's been shocked like eighty percent drawdowns multiple times, and it's every single time uh, comes back. So this might be an interesting perspective, but I had a friend of mine tell me that there's missional missions pers- benefits to Bitcoin. What could those be? Sending money to North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm yeah, saying, no, exactly no, right. so like that, one of the legitimate, you know, ways that this could play out is, is corrupt governments who prevent money and uh, from going to uh, nonprofits, missionaries, mm-hmm. or they skim half of it off, et cetera. Like exactly. this is a way around that. Right. Um, it's, yeah. it's very much um, now you're clearly, you're, you're breaking their laws by doing that. Um, but I think as Christians, there's, there's scenarios where we've, we've understood the Bible to, you know, yeah. to, make exceptions for those kinds of scenarios yeah so. i was just going to say even right now and you, you know if you want to send you know bitcoin to ukraine you know and there's different uh, groups of people accepting bitcoin right there mm-hmm. so you know i don't i don't know what it's like to try to send money you know there through the traditional mm-hmm. banking system right now but i'm just saying there is there are options yeah i had a friend of mine told me in particular mm-hmm. there's a pastor um that in his church that he was trying to receive funds but if, every time he tried to wire money to him mm-hmm. they'd have so much of it taken away mm-hmm. yep you know, it's like if you had wire money, then people would know that it was coming in. All these officials would come in and take a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's just so radical how little money he ended up with from the amount that was initially given, all gone to corruption. But mm-hmm. you're just telling me with Bitcoin, there's a possibility that because he does have internet access, he's just boom, internet, Bitcoin's there. Yeah, and I mean, granted, they'd have to. Unless they're in a country that is has vendors that accept Bitcoin as payment, they still have to exchange it for local currency, and I don't know what that looks like, but. Um, the possibilities are getting closer to someone being able to send currency to someone in another country and no one is able to actually pinpoint that person receiving it. And that is a big advantage for anyone like that. Mm. Um, because not only is it that they're not potentially losing some of that value in terms of some corruption, but they might actually be able to not be targeted as easily. Now, I see how that helps the permission, but does this also help criminals? I mean... It can, but that's like almost everything in this world. I mean, we don't, yeah. It's like eBay, right? eBay, Amazon, they... I mean, people buy drugs on eBay. Right, yeah, no, exactly. There's a a negative positive. There's a whole dark web out there, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I think it's a little bit short-sighted to try to eliminate technologies just because some people can use them in ways that are illegal. Interesting. I feel like we could literally spend 20 podcasts talking about these. I have, I still have so many more questions. I feel like we haven't even talked about all, other altcoins, which is fine. I think Bitcoin is what we need to really kind of focus on anyway. Um, it's so interesting to see. For me, one of the most kind of takeaways is kind of, kind of finally understanding a little bit more 
Bitcoin being the decentralized version, you know, and the purpose of the reasons behind that helps me a lot more in my understanding of it. I also love, I'll be completely honest with you, this mysterious origin story. <laughs> oh, it's something. I, I feel like that's just so cool. Like, I feel yeah. like I'm about to go in a rabbit hole. I'm about to go dive here, here. I really want to learn about this. It sounds so F- interesting. FYI, not only is he mysterious, he has a huge... Uh, holding of Bitcoin, so people are very. Like, not, it's never moved, so it was. Yeah. It like, was like how much like Bitcoin are we talking about? That's uh, uh, a million coins. A million and, coins. And a price of what is it? Forty five, about forty five thousand dollars right now, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so if you multiply, I'm just saying that would be its value in today's terms. Wow. And to put that into perspective, too, theoretically, there's only what twenty one million 20, total. Ever be blind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's. That's the total amount that'll ever be. Well, we say that one time, the total amount can ever be mined is what? So this is why we say it can't be debased because Bitcoin has a set number of coins that, that it will ever have. Mm-hmm. And that number is actually only decreasing through accidents. People lose like it. Like people lose it. So it's never you're, you're never having an increased supply, which means that, that the prices will never inflate because of the monetary debasement now obviously prices will fluctuate in any economy you know the cows all die the milk's going to be more expensive right, right. but that would create a, sh- a price shock but it's not going to create you're not going to have a number increase on the monetary supply right, which you can't makes just print, everything more expensive. you can't just print more bitcoin exactly. right it's basically yeah. where the principle yep. is yep Precisely. so interesting and so how much what is that number then 20 million you said it's 21 million that's what the, the that's the total that could could ever it's exist yeah. correct uh, now it's it gets a little more complicated than that because there's already been significant amount of loss I th- there's right. already been ro- approximate numbers i know. don't know the percentage so, but I mean, several it's, million it's probably almost 10 percent. yeah wow so like two million just been lost um so i, don't know I mean you got everything from someone dies didn't give their passwords away um what? you know this million that he had you know no, they'll never be recovered wallet stuff i was talking about before this, yeah. when you were talking about safety but see, but it's just so no one could ever get that though. that's that kind of scares me a little bit because if i die Correct. leave my gold coins on my bed somebody will find or something you i don't s- have any gold coins on my bed i'm just saying yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i've read it all the time these guys posting like oh you know i lost my hardware wallet address blah 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 and you know mm-hmm. and yeah. usually these numbers of yeah. coins in each of these yeah. wallets are pretty small but you know hard lessons it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's interesting. I mean, I had my phone stolen once, and I had a wallet on there, and it really scared me because I it, it made me realize that well, my backup worked, but if it hadn't, I was like, oh, I need to make sure I got this right. Like, yeah. wow, wow, this is so much. Thank you so much, you guys, for your time. Seriously, it was beneficial. It, it, you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from you guys. Um, really quickly, one resource that you could tell somebody to go to if they want to learn more. What would it be? I'll give you one. I mean, and I don't have the exact URL, but you can Google it. Coin Bureau was really what got me started. There's a website and there was a guy. Um, I believe it's actually just a company now. Um, but yeah, Coin Bureau is really what got me educated. There's a lot of like video content as far as and explaining things. Um, <clears throat> just just very in, in a very easy to consume way. So okay, Coin Bureau. Ironically enough, I'm going to say, if I'm only going to give you one resource, I'm going to say one of us. Yeah, I was about to say, I'll help you set <laughs> okay. up a wallet. I'll um, give you $5 in Bitcoin. And, and, Let's and, do and, it. And, yeah, yeah, true, true, the, yeah. the reason why I say that is I think, especially for folks that aren't at yeah. all familiar, uh, this is a very complicated um, discussion that we've only really scratched the surface. All right. So, so I might so hear you say that you're offering up to talk to people if they want to talk to you. Yeah. Well, it's not just talk. I mean, I'd love to pray through some of this stuff because there's a lot of complex yeah. issues of, of risk management. There's a lot of complex issues of, of how to store it. You know, all, all these things that we've kind of touched on and, and yeah. knowing what you own, why you own it, all these issues. And, and it comes down to when it comes to money and currency. Also, what's your heart behind it? 
Exactly. You we know, don't even you, touch that. I, I, I mean, are you trying to yeah, make yeah. money? Are you trying to decide, what what yeah. what is what is the purpose? What is the goal of money? What is the goal of currency? You know, what's the goal of your life currency, but also worldwide? Yeah. You know, and if, like you said, I love the way Caleb made some statements. He said, "Currency, what's the most just form?" Mm-hmm. You know, he cares for what's the most just for people. You know, and so we should care about that. We should we should care about what's what produces most justice, what produces um, care for people. You know, so very interesting. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, I, you know, it, like you guys said, if people were willing to talk to you guys, these guys are here. They're willing to talk to you. Um, but this is a very interesting topic of conversation, and I'm very thankful for you guys' expertise. I know none of you guys would say you're experts. I know that. But I thank you for your level of research and you guys' willingness to talk about it. Waypoint Church, we've been blessed to have them. But I um, hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. And, um, you know, we love you guys and have a great week. Bye.